I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Treehouse, episode 22, Droopy Draws, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Uh, when I announced the show was going to be called Droopy Draws, mm-hmm. everyone went, oh, oh, cheered everyone up. <laughs> and it's an epithet you simply don't hear so much anymore. No. Whereas oh, Droopy Draws. Everyone was, uh, not just children. And I had said it, oh, <laughs> there I go, hogging the credit. Somebody said it around our dinner table the other night, Droopy Draws. And I said, yes. And the younger folk at the table, what's that? I said, yes, doesn't worry about it is. It is. <laughs> it is All right, the Droopy Draws. The Draws that droop. Uh, <laughs> very good morning to everybody. Here we go again. Another two hours of fun for old and young <laughs> without the slightest hint of, of vulgarity. Uh, something, um, uh, I, I was just, again looking, shining the torch on the various uh, corners of you know, on this day that you rarely see. And then they're pretty average. I mean, you got your traffic lights thing came in, not much there. Until I looked and saw that the first traffic lights, which were at Westminster Bridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was Westminster Bridge in London here. Uh, and I think they were on. Uh, uh, it's like 1880-something, because there were okay. so many accidents there. And they were powered by gas and manually done. A policeman had to stand there and change them. Oh, wow. The, the thing that I really, really enjoyed about them is that they had a couple of semaphore paddles at the top. So if you couldn't see, because it was very weak, the gas in the lamp... <laughs> They had these semaphore paddles, and at the bottom of the traffic lights, you could get out and look what the paddles meant at various... <laughs> I suppose you weren't going very fast, so... And uh, they had paddles, and you'd look, and the paddles would, like, you know, one up, one down meant watch out to the right, both down meant stop. <laughs> it was the most complicated See, this is it. We're mollycoddled. Uh, and, and, but then again, you say that, but it was in uh, 1891, they blew up. <laughs> they were the only traffic lights, and they blew up because they were gas. It was a, a tremendous outrage. And then they didn't come back till 1926. And then the fun was all over. But they had great big paddles on them. Uh, it leads me back to... That's well, like the indicators used to be in the car, didn't yes, they? The they did stick out the, out the side. Oh, of the a car. lot of entertainment. Just pulling those out when a car was parked and you just pull out the little arrow <laughs> and let it drop back in again. <laughs> Before Nintendo. Uh, it, have you ever seen a traffic light being changed, the bulb being changed? I assume they do that in the wee small hours well, while we're all that, tucked up they? in bed. You, we've been, you and I go out in the wee small hours. We're out there in the night. We've come home at 11. <laughs> uh, but I, when? when? What, what's the deal with those? They, see, I know they can make light bulbs that never, ever break, but there's no money in that. So they keep those for traffic lights. You do not see traffic lights ever having the bulb. I, I, I just assumed it was done while I wasn't looking. 
it, it, I'd like to think it was something as simple as that, but it's like the... Um, We'll start the show any second, mm. by the way. It's like the numbers inside toilet rolls. I've never had an explanation for that. Say that again. The numbers inside toilet rolls. Inside... <laughs> the toilet roll, right? <laughs> There's a toilet roll. Have you brought that in just for this? Well, because sometimes people say, oh, you're, you're just pulling this stuff out of the air. And I say, no, haven't you ever looked inside every single toilet roll? There's a complicated stream of numbers. Now, you're going to say, I can't see it, and then you'll go, oh, the... yeah. Is it... Have a look. Go, go. Can you see part it? Of the printing process. Can you see it? Hang on, I'm head They're always the different. And it's a long eight... Three, zero... Will this give away where you live? No, no, no. <laughs> this, 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 nobody knows why they're in there. Is, no Is one. this your local... No, this just... A... Three, zero, three, three, U-T, one, G, zero, six. Oh. You, suddenly, suddenly, there's no. a, suddenly there's an uprising in Serbia. No, now, now, now someone's going to start collecting them. Because if you start putting numbers on things, someone will collect them. Well, uh, you, uh, during the show, when we get oh, a... You, you, when, you when, keep a high-quality toilet roll in your house. This, no, this is this room here. Nice. This is the toilet here. Oh, well, this is where all this our money's the, going. This is the, and uh, if you go in there and get another one, Squishy it won't be the same roll. number. They're never the same number. And quite often I've tried to get in touch with, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 with the leaders of uh, toilet tissue, let's say Andrex, but you don't get a letter back. You don't get. You, you suddenly find there's a car parked outside your house with a fellow with dark glasses and binoculars. We're watching. You want Ross Pal? Every single toilet roll has a. Uh, and what I urge the audience to do now is send us the numbers inside your toilet <laughs> oh, rolls. No. Oh yeah. Phil yeah. can't cope. No, with just such send us. Impulse. We all know, and they'll all come in. No, send, send them to the Fred and Rose West tapes. <laughs> <laughs> and don't explain it. Just put the numbers on there, and they'll all start coming into the one about Putin. They do one about Putin here. Send it into there. <laughs> And they'll just start getting all these numbers coming in and they won't have a clue why. Any radio station, just all get together. And uh, uh, I once... Sorry, we will start the show. I once... Um, I think I told you one of my better ideas. I once asked everybody to go to an email site and register as the King of Tonga. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Or the Queen yes, of Tonga. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you know you can go to, I don't know, Gmail, AOL, anyone you like, Hotmail, and if you send an email to the King of Tonga... It'll be one of us. <laughs> now, that's what we've got to organise around the numbers inside toilet rolls. There's so much happening on this day as well, I've not got round to now. I I, 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 honestly, I can't cope with your hat today. Well, did, well yeah, it's, 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 it's a mohair. I've gone right, right I, I, the many a fez and a wig, but you are currently I've wearing broken. what my nan would have said was a bit dashing. Yeah, thank you. It's, a, it's, it's a, from right, a Victoria it's a, Wood sketch, it, is my own No, lead. it's a scarlet mohair beret. It's... It cheers everyone. You know, there's no cam. There's no camera on this. I will not wear it in the photograph afterwards. But it cheers us up while we're here. What are we doing this morning, Pat? <laughs> Number one, having to pretend you're not scared. <laughs> Number two, animals trying to get in or out. Number three, first time you were jealous of something. And number four, your first drink. Now, if you hear any of those, you can get in touch about any of the subjects. Go back on the um, website and look down some of the subjects we've done. All of them remain open. I will say this. Uh, we're always timeless, not topical, but today is Pancake Day. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course it is. And various okay. good correspondents on Twitter always flag up one particular uh, entry on pancakes in the earlymodernmedicine.com website. earlymodernmedicine.com slash pancake hyphen plasters. And quite a few people say, well, it's Pancake Day again. Time to remind everyone of this. So just before, but just before the show really does get going, I'll give you this. In the book, A Country Physician, or A Choice Collected Physic, I love the oh, idea, that, or, the or, we've stopped doing that. 
the book A Country Physician or A Choice Collected Physic, we learn that pancakes were once used as plasters. <laughs> One William Salmon used a pancake for a man suffering from inflammation of the testicles and suppression of urine. The 50-year-old patient was bled, given an enema and anointed with oil of scorpions. After the oil had been rubbed on, Salmon writes, uh, I bought a pancake made of onions beaten together with hog grease and applied it as a plaster. Following which, the patient did piss lustily, <laughs> relieving pressure. For his swollen testicles, he received a bean meal poultice. Happy Pancake Day, everybody. That was written in 1984. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like... Way, way ahead, way ahead back in the 16th Would century. Would you ever let someone say, I'm just going to put some scorpion oil on your testicles? No, he actually, they, they, uh, ha ha, see, because they actually applied it to his spleen, right, to oh, edit okay. it down. They put it, that, less, makes, that makes yeah, sense now, Slightly less upsetting. But I wouldn't, an onion pancake on the old, old boil, on the old boilies. No, thank you, sir. But that's how we got to today's advanced medicine. So uh, give us something over there, peps. Um, this is your first drink from Neil. <laughs> I guess I was about six years old. The, the Saturday lunchtime drink had turned into a party back at my parents' friend's house and nearing bedtime, clearly a bit of a session, my sisters and I were asked to help tidy up the empty glasses. We did this by emptying the dregs into one glass and drinking them. Oh. Shockingly, even though oh. we were a bit tipsy, our parents just thought it was hilarious and drove us home. Perhaps they were more drunk than we were. It was similar at Christmas at my grandmother's. She let us loose on the creme de menthe. See, I, I, it's not the idea that a six-year-old is enjoying a drink there, mm. you know, because people got to make their own arrangements, and in France, that would be a late starter. <laughs> it's the dregs. Whoa. Dregs. Whoa. Slops and dregs. Uh, did you ever make um, magic potions and medicine? Oh, yes, we used to make oh, perfumes. Uh, did you? Yeah. When you used to make perfumes? Me and my friend Nicola used to make perfumes in our mum and dad's bathroom. With what? Um with whatever we could get our hands of in the bathroom cabinet before her mum called upstairs and said, what are you two doing? Uh, and um, it would be a mixture of um, sort of hand creams, shampoo, uh, toothpaste. Oh. And then the final spritz would be one of her mum's squits of her mum's perfume, yeah, which yeah. we were not allowed now, Was this an aerosol or was it one of those that has the long tube and then the bulb on the, the end? The bulb. Honk, honk. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we had been told on many occasions that we were not to make our potions anymore so we mm. snuck into the bathroom and we thought we were being really clever till Nicola squeezed the bulb and squeezed the perfume straight Bang in our eye. eye yeah yeah that still happens and she's like do you think mum will notice you got me a huge red eye but I, we, I did the same I always smelt disgusting I used to mash up rose petals because I was told that's oh all. yes in yeah. the garden yeah, yeah and that never worked no move on uh, again here we go with me old man again it used to be mum Liked her. She liked a, a Chanel, but of course, Chanel, you buy them teeny, 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 tiny mm. little bottles, and they're like 85 pounds. Too sophisticated having Chanel. I'm talking about in the 80s. I'm talking the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but before that, she was Ashes of Roses and yeah. you know, Bromley and all of that. But she, you know, she, mm. maybe even Wendy might have introduced her to that. But uh, so that's for her birthday, always. Fred, I just want, uh, you know, because it lasted her a year, this little bottle. And my old man said something, but we all go, you know, come and dead. But in fact, I have never quite understood why he was wrong. He said, well, why is it 85 quid? So I said, well, it's Chanel. Yeah, but they must know it to make it. Why don't they make a load of it? <laughs> and, and I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, why don't you have your little bottle? Why don't I make a load of it and sell it cheap and sell more of it? And I, well, if they know how to make it, 
And I thought, yeah, a great big vat of it <laughs> and, and some kind of jug, and off you go. <laughs> Why don't they make more of it? I, I, I don't know. What is it Because they out? don't want the hoi polloi. But what is it, plutonium? In it. What is it made out of space dust? They must know it's a drop of this and a drop of that and a drop of this. <laughs> And there's your Chanel. Uh, and yes, I do know why it's number five. So uh, give us something else, Peps, what you got? Well, teachers using Y fronts is the title. <laughs> I've seen this one. This is superb. This is, is a this great Mark one. This is Mark in Weddington. <laughs> I love this. Go on. Having heard a correspondent a couple of shows ago <laughs> mention the older eccentric colleague with a range of unusual items in his classroom, the mention of Y fronts caught my ear. <laughs> in 1985 or 1986, I had a maths teacher called Mr Roundhill. As I told I can recall the whole maths department who I've not thought about for decades. Mr Barks, inevitably referred to as Mr Woof Woof, a moniker he hated and lived up to, as I discovered one afternoon as I showed a new boy around what would now be called a campus. On passing outside his classroom, I told the new boy he must definitely not call said teacher Mr Woof Woof, which he did. Up went a window and, you boys, was barked through it. The other maths teacher was said to visit the stationery cupboard and listen to the racing on the radio. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Mr Roundhill must have been close to retirement and had white, longish, unkempt hair and kept a pair of once white wire fronts on his desk to clean his blackboard with. <laughs> also, when stressed, he lifted the receiver of a candlestick phone he kept on his desk and shouted yeah, into it. Wonderful. Though I'm not sure if it, who it was or to whom. <laughs> the joy of state ed- secondary education in the mid-1980s. That, that is wonderful. Uh, that's, a, that's very bold to, uh, uh, in front of a class, use wire fronts to clean the ball. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's whiteboards now, not blackboards. Yeah. Uh, am I right? They're one of the great joys of comprehensive schools in the 70s. Don't think they did it so much because uh, uh, we was West Greenwich boys and across the way was Greenwich Park girls uh, where my sister went. But if you had a uh, well, they had a particularly new blazer, but it could be any blazer, and you got oh, the blackboard rubber and just yes. bang, 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 but you could never get that out. No. Those lines of the blackboard dust, those stripes of the dust, along with the hole in the pocket where you put a banger in, that would be uh, a, 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 like a, a scars of a, a great warrior. If you're particularly daring on the seat of the teacher's chair. Tap, 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 Did tap you? The old, I suppose uh, so. Yeah. I suppose like so. Trinians at Aspen. Yeah, no, it, well, I'm glad it, it, girls it, it, it crossed the genders there. And just before we move on, you mentioned uh, Mr. Woof Woof. His name is <laughs> Bar- Mr. Barker. Of course he was called Woof Woof. Uh, I didn't used to be able to do this because it does involve a very mild swear word Ooh. on the radio. Uh, but... Uh, uh, the headmaster at our lower school was a very distinguished old gentleman. How he ended up at uh, a comprehensive in Deptford. Maybe he was doing missionary work. We don't know. Uh, but anyway, he um, he he was named uh, Mr. Hewlett. Okay. Mr. Hewlett, good old Mr. Hewlett. A lot of people who went West Country remember Mr. Hewlett. But he walked with a pronounced limp. L I M P. Pronounced limp. And he uh, uh, and everyone said it was a, he was shot in 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 the war. And there may have been a grain of truth in this. However, this was always used as he was shot up the arse, right? So he was called Old Bullet Arse. That was what he was called. Apologies, but that was... What was Old Bullet Arse? That, that was his nickname. <laughs> and and this terrible thing this man may have been, he may have taken, you know, a, 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 a broadside to the buttock. He may have done. But why on a, And he'd become, every time he went down the corridor and people would go behind me, did it, you did it. And, and that was wrong. And then he was Old Bullet Arse. Being shot in that particular area, I have experience of. But so does Lord Haw Haw. You know, he was shot fully in the rectum. <laughs> Sorry. 
he was, I can only hold this together so long. Uh, uh, when they came no across... No he was a very bitter man. He was, no, infamously, when he, um, uh, you know, the wretch he was, he, he ran away once Berlin fell, and they found him in the woods, and somebody called out, stop, a British soldier saw him, and he turned round and said, are you William Joyce? Lord Hawhaw, and, and he turned and ran, and the soldier, with perfect aim, shot him up the arse. And that's the truth of how Lord Hawhaw was captured and why he attended his initial arraignment on a stretcher. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry you had to hear portions of that, but we are nothing if not a bona fide history broadcast. Uh, take, take that, Al Murray. Uh, but that's all true. Here's, here's something here. Um, this is surprising records your parents had. I grew up in the early 70s and we didn't have a record player at home, but my dad did have two albums that he stored on a bookshelf in the lounge. One was Sunday Night at the London Palladium, a compilation of crooners and the like, and the other one was Hawkwind's Space Ritual. <laughs> With the fold-out cover and the poster and everything, I never found out and never asked why he had these two. <laughs> he probably thought it was, you know, quite a, a, a gentle... Uh, there's a better one, if you don't mind me grading them like this, of a dog who hates Perry Como. Oh, yes, have you seen I that? was just looking for that. <laughs> uh, it must be in your pile. I haven't got it. We mind. have such a pile of great emails, but please send them to us. Over the years, I hope, we're going to get round to every one of these. And I shouldn't have said a better one. I should have said a similar one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, get something from your side, Pat. Well, we've got Andrew everyone. on the line. Hey, Andrew. 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 Hello. Hello. Germany calling. Germany calling. Andrew, how old are you? I'm, I'm 51. The, the, the phrase, and I, I don't say this for anything other than uh, historic reference, the phrase droopy draws, you're, you're aware of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, droopy. But yet, and, but yet the last time you heard it would have been, what, 20 years ago? Around then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's all I'm talking but about. I, I, I actually know the Danish equivalent of that. Do you? My friend, you can imagine how all ears I am. You know the Danish equivalent of droopy, droopy draws. draws. What is it? It's it's hanger hall. Hanger hall. Uh, does it mean literally the same thing? Does it, does, it mean, does it mean the same thing? Yes, exactly the same thing. Hang on. One, one second, let me write that down. Hang on, one second, one second. Right. Don't ask me for the One second, one second. Hang on, hang on. Droopy drawers. Hanger hole. Hanger. Hanger hole. Thank you. OK. Uh, why are you tugging our coat this morning? Uh, with regard to the question of animals trying to get in or out. Oh, superb, my friend. Go on. So this this goes back to the back to the eighties, and uh, when I was living at home, my parents would would go away for the weekend sailing. It was quite a large house, and uh, so I was left there to, to mind it. And I would kind of stick to my room, the kitchen, and the and the living room with the TV in. Mm-hmm. But we had another sitting room which had no TV, and so mm-hmm. didn't get visited very often. Um, on this particular occasion, though, I could I could hear some some noise coming from this room. So, oh. tentatively opening the door, I discerned that it was coming from behind the fireplace. Oh. We've got one of those sort of faux log effect fires with uh, the burnished metal. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Edging closer and crouching down, I uh, I, I tugged it forward. Um, uh-huh. At which point, I, I, I dried leaves and twigs fell onto hearth and hands and I startled and stepped back mm-hmm. uh, but, the, but the big reveal was, was three squirrels that shot out darted oh. across the room oh and, and, and they're, now they're encased in the room with you and you're screaming <laughs> well yeah, exactly well no I didn't I, I, I thought I was being cool at that point and, and just yeah. shut the door to, to prevent me uh, yeah. getting into the rest of the house yeah um, uh, with the plan 
of opening the windows and simply shooing them out. Shooing them out, yes. Simply. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Waving your arms. And the international language between animals and humans. I want, you, I want you to go that way. <laughs> How successful so was it? Well, windows wide, I, I, I proceeded to try and round them up, kind of city slickers style, <laughs> yeah. yahooing, shooing, and, and waving. As <laughs> they kind of leapt from sofa to stacking hi-fi to skidding across the mantelpiece, mm. with ornaments wobbling, and eventually to the windowsill. And uh, sure enough, one and then another took the exit provided. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the third, though, was having none of my attempts to corral. I like this one. And uh, round and round we went in <laughs> pursuit uh-huh. as it toftily leapt from chair to chair, round again, ornaments scattering, tiny claws struggling for grip on the smoked plastic lid of the record player. <laughs> and I was simply turning in the wind. It was literally <laughs> running rings round me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and is it still there? Or are you now? Is that what we've got to tell no, us? No. We've kept it. And it's I, I decided to change tack mm. and, and 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 try a, a, a you know, frontal assault. Uh-huh. Uh, so sort of arms wide, eyes fixed on it, like a like a goalie waiting to see which way a penalty was going to go. Uh-huh. I I think the term is encroached. <laughs> at, at which point it sat upon its hind legs, stretched out its little arms, unfurled its talons like flip knives. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bared its rabid yellow teeth and hissed what I can only assume <laughs> the squirrel equivalent of Come on, you want some of this? <laughs> and you beat which point, an ignoble I, retreat. <laughs> I retreated, yes. Wow. Um, I, I retrod backwards, not from the squirrel, but from the from the room, closed yeah. the door, and, uh, yeah, the sitting room had fallen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, superb, Andrew. Absolutely superb. And uh, two hours later, you went back and he'd gone, had he? He'd gone, yes. And, and oh, gone. He totally was still, no one had ever been in that he'd, room he'd again. He'd got to see his two mates. Said, a lot of help you were. Yeah, thanks a lot, you two. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to do the old come on, you want a piece of me thing. Uh, Andrew, exactly. Andrew, bless you for, for saying that. It's a... Uh, Delivering in such a superb way. That was wonderful. Oh, all, all of a sudden, Andrew, there's an advert. Yeah, the sitting room had fallen. The sitting say, room had fallen. That's when you have to uh, when you have to retreat in your own house, though. It is, it's no, it is quite. <laughs> yeah. The wasps have me retreating always. The wasps will not go. Look, the bottom half of the window's open. Don't stay up the top. You're not going to get through that glass. Out you go. My uh, friend had was genuinely. We all laughed when he first said it in a text message, and then he said it was that horrendous. Very lucky that he has a place in the country, and yeah. we went there, and he discovered a pigeon had somehow got down the chimney. I was just about to tell the story. And couldn't get out and had gone bananas in a locked room. Man, a pigeon can do a lot of damage. Listen, listen, and I'm sorry, you know, uh, all these tales marry up. This is the great um, vault of them. So when we... uh, so this, when we bought um, our first house, uh, we had a, had a chimney breast upstairs taken out, but the chimney remained behind it, but the wall was now flat to create... A, anyway, there's a corridor and bathrooms and all this in an old Victorian house. Uh, however, unbeknownst to us, a pigeon had got into the old chimney, couldn't get out, and had died in there. Boo. All right? Boo. No, there was no particular... Uh, there was no smell. But uh, it died in there... And one morning, we'd only been at the house about a month and still in a no decoration. The hall was, you'd open our bedroom door and there was this narrow hallway leading to the bathroom, along which was now the disused chimney breast with the uh, deceased pigeon in it that had now gone rotten. Oh! But listen, Peps, there were uh, floorboards. We didn't have any carpet or line, there were just floorboards. And I promise you, I opened the bedroom door 
and I went, oh. Uh, and I closed it again. I said, what's the matter? I was just going down to get the tea in the morning. She said, what's the matter? I said, um, nothing. And I opened the door again and looked, and from under the floorboards, I'm talking about hundreds of blue bottles were emerging oh, and crawling oh, up the wall. I'd sell the house. I'd hundreds the house. of them. I'm itching. I said, I don't oh, know what we're going to do. And she went, oh, oh don't, God. I don't want to see it. I said, honestly, the oh. whole corridor was oh, I heaving. I out the window. And I said, and I had to then... What? So to stay there, went, and I went... With my shoulders hunched in, nobody can top this as a story. I'm sorry, in this particular uh, uh, genre, and with my shoulders hunched in, talk, face facts inside number nine, and I walked to the top of the stairs and down the stairs where I got a fly spray, and then I inched back down the corridor into the bedroom, opened the door this much, put my arm out and emptied the fly spray into the hallway. <laughs> Left it ten minutes, went back out there with a dustpan and brush. And that's the last we saw of them. But that actually happened. I'm talking hundreds of them. Not yet quite, their wings not quite dry, just making their way up the wall. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blue bottles. How about that? And yet, we've been together 40 years. She didn't blame me. No, let me put that another way. She blamed me. (laughs) But uh, anyway, I know. Lighten the mood a little, if you would, there, Peps. Let's put on something that'll clear the air. Literally, go on. This is from Gidea Park Tone, which, having yes. grown up in that area, immediately drew me in. I heard you have an interesting cheese story about copious dairy products. Thought you'd like to hear mine. We had Did someone we? the other week with these. <laughs> um, did his dad work for the dairy and they had a load yes. of knockoff cheeses? Yes, that they he gave did. Because we used. That was the, uh, of course, the but the riper of the product invoked that. Yes, it did. This is in approximately 1980 when we lived in Harold Hill. Mm-hmm. Harold Hill, I should say. Then were the days. My mum was driving myself, my brother and sister, and just as we passed Central Park Swimming Pool, I know exactly where he is. This is lovely for me. We just passed Central Park Swimming Pool and was a beam Harold Hill police station when the lorry in front of us ejected a slab of cheese out the back of some open doors. A slab? It was a slab. About a foot by 18 inches. Mum was worried that a policeman had somehow seen the ejection and decided to confess to her find as the lorry didn't stop. She actually went into the police station and said in her posh (laughs) phone voice, this cheese officer has just fallen off the back of a lorry. (laughs) They said we could keep it. We were eating it. We could keep it. They said we could keep it. We ate it for months. Well, that's a beaut. That's an absolute beaut. Of a story, a slab of cheese falls off the back of a. Also, got mums using their phone voices as another topic. Oh yeah, Uh, uh, music affecting animals. Ah, you found it. You've been recently asking if animals are affected by music. Now, I I, I know they're affected by it. They don't understand it. They don't have no no have no judgment. No no tonal discernment. No tonal judgment at Uh all. That's exactly the more used. Well, my old dog, Benny, certainly was affected by it, but not in the way you'd think. From the moment we bought him for 50 pence... You could buy a dog, you could buy a dog for 50 pence. Yes, you could. Ten bob dog. Oh, ten bob, you want a good dog for ten bob? Oh, yeah, 50 pence. In 1977, he was always a touch special, but his absolute hatred of Perry Como still gets mentioned <laughs> at family gatherings. The thing is, he'd probably never heard Perry sing and doubt he even knew what genre of music Perry had, but my God, he hated him. I, I, I suggest otherwise, because I believe in reincarnation, you know that. OK. I'm a creationist who believes in reincarnation. OK, fair enough. Next time I want to come back as a sloth, because I want to take things nice and easy. <laughs> anyway, um, back then, like most family dogs... Uh, most. <laughs> 
Back then, like most families, along with the record player in the front room, you'd have a selection of records uh, all through the family. Uh, Dad Sinatra's, Lonnie Donegan's, Matt Monroe's and Nat King Cole's, my brother's Chuck Berry's, Stone's and Scar, my sister's Rod Stewart and Three Degrees. And then my mum's three Perry Como albums, <laughs> all which, which would be neatly put in the part of the cabinet designed to put records in. This yes, is absolutely true. Of course. You'd have that little section for records. Nicely upright. But nobody would use it except mums. <laughs> Mine would be, because I'd load. They were all against the wall or underneath and when we only had it in the front room or in the bedroom. My mum had her records, uh, mainly soundtracks, all in the in the little section where they're supposed to bleed and go. Anyway. For whatever reason, we as a family had a party to go to once, so leaving the radio on for the dog, we were probably no more than six or seven hours. <laughs> up, upon returning, it was obvious something was up. This, this is one. It was obvious that something was up. There were bits of card and ripped bits of paper all the way up and down the hall, leading to the front door, where he'd been having a bit of a tear-up. And we soon saw he'd been having a tear-up with the record collection. My brother was not bothered, he kept most of his in his bedroom and he was pleased to see no damage done to his and the same as my sister's or my dad's but it was poor old mum's three album collection of Perry Como that had got Benny's attention. Two of them were completely destroyed and teeth marks and chew marks all over the vinyl. One album, one album had survived more than uh, likely because he could hear us coming back. After the tidying up had been done and the surviving records put back quickly things returned to normal over the coming weeks and it was almost forgotten about because mum rarely played her records anyway. That was until a few months later, when another party for the whole family to attend, uh, this time precautions were taken, the front room door was shut, giving Benny the hallway and the kitchen as freedom. Upon her return, I heard my dad go, oh, he's done it again. <laughs> and then I noticed again the paper up and down the hallway. And again, it was only Mum's record collection, that remaining Perry Como <laughs> album. He'd finished the job he had started all those months ago. My mum called him all the names under the sun. Dad and sister were again relieved to find out nobody but Perry had suffered. <laughs> I know this is more a tragic moment than the kind of magic moment that dear old Perry sang about. <laughs> Now, I love that dog's oh. hatred of celebrities. Oh. Uh, if there's a particular celebrity, an animal in your house, took again, we would love to hear from you. Uh, give us something else over there while I, while I apply this poultice. <laughs> uh, what you got there, Pep? This is from Alan. This is First Drinks. Mm -hmm. it's slightly older than um, our previous correspondent. OK, go on then. I do... Viv I can't particularly remember my first drink, but I do recall vividly our first carry-out. Brackets. Would you call it that down south, buying booze from an off-licence? Uh, 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 Scotland really, is a carry-out, yeah, carry yeah. We were about 14 and decide, as guys do, it's time to get our first carry-out. Now, there was n under no circumstances we could pass as 18, either, even with our bum-fluff moustaches. So we did what all young folk in our situation would do in the early 90s and hung around outside the off-licence after <laughs> asking shifty folk if they would go in and buy us our booze. This was high risk, as it wasn't unusual for the morally lacking purchaser to keep the change, B, buy the booze, or C, take the money and walk away with it. Having tried and failed to persuade someone to buy the booze, we finally managed to persuade the local village idiot to do our buying. <laughs> Knowing that he wouldn't be able to cope with a huge list of varying ciders and beers, we kept it simple. K cider and bottles of Beck's. Remember, this is 1990. <laughs> As we waited outside with a buzz of excitement that only getting illicit booze can give, imagine the looks on our faces when he walks out with... Six bottles of Newcastle brown ale. Lucky to get it. Sorry, lads, couldn't remember, so I got you these. It's what I drink. That, that's lovely, though. It's a beautiful drop. I'll keep the change, will I? Did he? Mm. Now, I'm not knocking Newkey brown, 
Or as Dan would say, let me put that another way. I am knocking Nuki Brown. It is not a staple for a 14-year-old boy. The... Sorry, go on, continue. Off we sauntered to the local park to drown our sorrows. But here was another stumbling block, one so small it should have been thought of in all our planning. A bottle opener. <laughs> yes. We had planned a whole operation with military precision, but no-one had thought as to how we were going to actually open said beverages. There was a round of blame. I thought you were bringing one. Why didn't you bring it anyway? One bright spark said he'd seen his big brother opening bottles of beer by banging them down off a fence post. Yes. And claimed he could do the same. With relief flushing us, uh, flushing all over us, our trusty aide proceeded to place the lip of the bottle cap against the fence post and whacked it palm down onto the top. Now, on a normal day, this would have worked a treat, but this wasn't a normal day. Instead of the top spinning off, the neck of the bottle smashed off, leaving (laughs) a jagged mess of a bottle and losing half the contents. That doesn't normally happen, said my mate. I'll, I'll do another one. Outcome, exact same. However, with no other options, all four other bottles went the same way. (laughs) What else could we do? We poured the beer straight into our mouths. In the end, about two pints of brown nectar survived and we had more chance of ending up in hospital with getting our mouths stitched than stomachs pumped of excess alcohol. I was going to say that if he um, uh, drank it afterwards because shards of glass remaining. Mm. And I'll tell you, again, a cautionary tale, uh, I think it was maybe Heineken, maybe Budweiser, or it certainly wasn't that. It was about 20 years ago. They brought out, I don't know if they still do them, like double and treble-sized bottles, great big ones. They look like sterilised milk bottles. It's quite often France yes, great, big, great big yeah. bottles of yeah. it. Uh, and we tried to open it on a radiator once, uh, <laughs> at the top of a radiator, that same method. Ka-dong, you know, yeah. with the, the palm of your hand. Same thing. Uh, the top of the bottle came off, and we thought, what are we going to do? Because all we had. And, uh, again, you know, this is, I was going to good restaurants at the time. I, there's me and two other fellas. And... We began to say we can't. There's going to be glass in there. Yeah. We, you know, we've got no. We said we'll fish it out. No, you won't see it. You can't do it. And we had three paper cups. I, I said I, I didn't want any. But my mate John, and I won't give you his surname because I know loads of Johns. My mate John said, "I know what I'm going to do." He took his sock off and strained the beer <laughs> through the sock, <laughs> and then drank, strained it through the, his sock into a cup, mm-hmm. and then said, "One drop." <laughs> Absolutely true. You've got to really it must need been, a beer. It must have been 30 years ago, that. <laughs> it must have been 30 years ago, that. Yeah, strained it through his sock. Sure enough, there were little bits of glass in the sock, though, when he put the back sock back on. <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, something goes, is there somebody else on the line? Or There's Stuart it? on the line. Hey, our friend Stuart. Hey, Stuart. Hi, hi, Danny. You talk- How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, Stuart, you're talking to somebody who's eaten saveloys from a pith helmet and uh, was offered <laughs> and has been offered a drink of beer that's similarly been strained <laughs> through a, a warm sock. A warm, that. Took it off. Oh warm yeah. Sock. I mean, but that's a, that's the kind of thing. If you ever go to Antarctic, uh, I, I did a thing with Ranulph Fines once, Stuart, and he says, never mind going with people you like. You've got to know somebody. You don't have to like them if they can take a tooth out at minus forty. If they know how to repair a car engine at minus. 15, and similarly, I suspect if they have the gumption to strain drinks through one of their socks, that's who, that's who you want to go to Antarctic with. Why are you tugging our coat, my friend? That's a skill. It is a skill. Uh, <laughs> in relation to the uh, overzealous uh, public employees from oh. uh, last week, you man, um, 
naming people. So when I was born, uh, back in 1962, oh yeah, uh, back in those days they used to take um, babies away from mums and put them in shared, big shared nurseries. Oh, don't do that stuff anymore. Oh, um, so I was born down in Crayford Hospital. Oh, you, you mean and, while while, uh, they're, while they're being you know in hospital? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once they once well, yeah, not yeah, away. No, I was, was going to say it got very tragic. Anyway, so uh, they, <laughs> yes, of course they'd take them away and, and they'd have a yeah, nurse, so put me in a nursery. Yeah. That's it, great big nursery. Yeah. So a day or so, I'm not sure whether it was the first day or the day after, but my mum toddles down to this nursery to pay me a visit. Big group of babies in a large room, no sign of me. So she's like, "Where's my baby then?" Oh yeah, um, yeah. He was really noisy, so uh, he was he was keeping the other babies awake. So uh, hang on, we'll just fetch him. He's in the airing cupboard. Oh, <laughs> ah, lovely. You guys... <laughs> now I know. Nice I, I was going to say it that. Gets worse. Uh, oh, I, uh, go on. <laughs> or better. So they, the woman pops off to fetch me. Comes uh-huh. back. And, you know, this being 1962, my mum's just like, thanks very much. Yep. <laughs> no sort of complaint, no nothing. No. Uh-huh. And then she, looks, then she looks at my toe tag. Uh-huh. My name has been crossed out. And they've written Patrick in its place. <laughs> and my mum looks at this and said, that's not his name. His name's Stuart. And the, uh, this Irish Catholic nurse, I won't do the accent, but this Irish Catholic nurse looks at me and says, oh, no, he, he's, he's definitely a Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but but mo- mo- mother obviously dug her heels in, and and, and you remained yeah. Stuart. Oh yeah, she had, she had to, but she had to discuss it with her at some length because yeah. she was determined to keep me as a Patrick. Uh, she was like, oh no 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 no, she he should be a Patrick. What, he doesn't look what, right. What, what, He's not pe- right for Stuart. Mom, Pepsi's, Pepsi, what? Stuart, you you do look like one of your parents, right? You do actually look like one of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I look just I like my. Brought out of the airing cupboard oh. with a different name on your toe tag. I'm starting to really <laughs> worry. We're turning into <laughs> the realms of woman. Oh, what, uh, what's he, uh, uh, Nikki? Well, oh, yeah, that's your kid. They crossed out Stuart and hadn't actually just changed it. Well, uh, she, uh, just, she just scribbled uh, through it with a pen. When you put the phone down to us, there'll be a knock at the door. You'll open it and there will be Nikki Campbell saying, Come with me. <laughs> Come with me. I've got something. <laughs> because there were two babies in the airing oh. cupboard that day. <laughs> wow, man, what a story. And you know what? Both Peps and I looked at each other and thought, Airing cupboard. He not, sounds like a Patrick. Not the, not a bit. He does sound like a Patrick. Uh, but he. Uh, I thank think airing cupboard thank, sounds. Thank you very lovely. much indeed, my friend Stuart. That was a wonderful story. <laughs> wonderful story. Uh, uh, I saw a postcard the other day. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was one of the postcard accounts on Twitter, and uh, it was from Butlins, 1963, and it had the children's nursery at Butlins Minehead. And it was the most beautiful room, uh, just like a, it, that kind of colour from that period. And it had all the toys on the floor, and the kids were all sitting on the floor, and looking over them were two nurses dressed like nurses used to. Mm. When you got a nurse's outfit, and you thought that's where you could leave your kids yeah. you know, if you had. But that's it. In fact, you could leave me in there, and I've not ever got anything for nurses. But it just looked as like the womb, like the very airing cupboard itself. My my friend tells the story of her mum. She's Sarah was a particularly troublesome baby in the seventies, and her mum would just go to whatever they nearest hospital was and say can you have I need to sleep can you take her for a night and they'd Did go alright <laughs> just take well, just in a, in a random baby alright we'll and, have her for and a and night and this isn't just I couldn't get 
them to take Wilbur for an hour the night I gave birth, or I'd been awake for 48 hours. In the 1960s, and my sister was chief movement among, you know, the house was full of kids. The estate was full of kids. Mm. And it must be said it was the girls. If anyone had a baby, they'd heard anyone had a baby around the estate, they'd knock on the door and say, can we take the baby over the park? And mums used to drop, get them in the pram and say, what time will you be back? We'll be back about four. And they used to take babies. Teenage girls used to take babies over the park. My sister, when I'm reminded of this, said, oh, yeah, you did. That's what you did. Say, oh, you know, uh, 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 Joni Brimble's had a baby. And she's oh, is she? And she's oh, should we go and knock see if we can take it out? And you say, all right, bring him back about three. Kids used to go into Southwark Park and sit on the grass with a baby. But that wasn't in t- in, in unusual at all. But I'll tell you what is. This is from our friend Steve, and it's uh, the story of the middle name, the story of Steve's middle name. It's pr- pretty much a pip, this. When my ex-wife was pregnant throughout the whole time, I nicknamed our unborn child Wolf as the ultrasound scans made a kind of howling sound every time. (laughs) Look at Wolf, I'd say. Upon his eventual birth, we decided he had to have a name. Well, Wolf, I said, to which my wife said words to the effect that it was a bit imbecilic to call a boy Wolf and no son of hers would ever be called Wolf. Eventually, we agreed on Alexander. As I insisted, if he wasn't going to be Wolf, it could be given the name that began with A, as my dad's name was Arnold. And that kind of gone out of fashion by the early 90s. You know, von Schwarzenegger. Of course, there's Arnold Stang, who did the voices in um, uh, Top Cat. But uh, again, I'm digressing. Anyway, I was duly dispatched to some town hall in the city of London to get his birth certificate while mother and child rested in hospital down the road. The lady at the town hall was very prim and proper and started to write out the birth certificate with a real ink and a quill-style pen. Father's name? Mother's name? Child's name? To which I replied, Alexander. Okay, middle name? No middle name, I replied. No middle name? No, no middle name. But none? No. Well, I don't think that's right. Are you sure? Um, but, uh, well, think of one. Um, Wolf. <laughs> she wrote down Wolf. W O L F, W O L F. I said, yes. Reluctantly, she kind of added it to the birth certificate. Merrily, I returned to the hospital with Wolfie's birth certificate. It didn't go down very well. <laughs> I bet. We were divorced not too long <laughs> afterwards, I'll be honest with you. Everyone calls him Wolfie from that day on, his friends, his teachers, and now it's on his Instagram, his business cards, anything. His mother, however, he's Alexander. <laughs> Always Alexander. Fast forward to a couple of years in 1995. I'm at a real big music biz function, and standing next to me, in the obligatory beret... Hello. Uh, wearing, I'm wearing beret. a red uh, mohair one. In the obligatory beret, Samuel L. Jackson. Wowzers. We started talking, and of course he was very nice. I never asked for autographs from anyone, but I said to him, would you mind signing something for my son? No problem. What's his name? Wolfie, I said. Wolfie? Man, that's a really cool name. And with a big smile, proceeded to write the message to him. As he's writing, he said to me, has he ever seen any of my films? I said, no, he's only two. And with a very serious look, he said, what's wrong with Pulp Fiction? (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. Thank you very much indeed, Steve, and indeed, Wolfie, and indeed, the sensible mum. Uh, Are we done, or you got something else quick there, Pep? I can throw in a quick one. This is from Jill. This is bumbling around in the dark. (laughs) Just before I married and was still living at home with my mum and dad, my fiancé and I had been out for a meal and drinks, and I had a few light shandies. Let's be honest, I was plastered. At that time, my fiancé, of course, slept in my sister's room while she was away at uni, and I was in my own room. 
During the night, I woke up to visit the bathroom, but once got there, being fairly drunk, I felt faint, stood up again, nearly fainted again, and in doing so, collapsed against the side of the bath. My dad, hearing the commotion, got up to investigate and suddenly appeared at the bathroom door, a sliding door. All I remember is grabbing my dad's pyjamaed legs, whimpering, Help me! <laughs> Suffice it to say, I had to have a day or two off work. My fiance slept through it all. Man, oh, no, you grabbing don't want, onto your dad's you legs. You don't want your know. Help no, me! Uh, maybe a bit topic morphs into being drunk in front of parents because that's oh. a that's a, a the same well, one of this other Johns. Let's put it that way. Uh, was found. He lived. He lived in a, on this uh, a different estate to ours, but close by. And uh, it was built in the 1930s. Today, down at Rotherhithe, each of these mm. flats is worth like two million. But they used to be council flats. And in front of them, as there would be in the, in the communal square, it was a th- four blocks and there was a little square in the middle, people hung there washing up there. Uh, but there were some benches, concrete benches, one of which was approximately six feet away from his front door. He opened his front door and there was a bench. And, well, Reg, oh, nearly gave, when, he came, it was Reg, <laughs> when he came home uh, one evening, and it had a couple. And, you know, and he, could take, he could take it, but he thought, it's quite early, everyone's going to be up, I can't go indoors and carry this off. So he laid down on the bench. <laughs> About half an hour later, while he was snoozing, his dad came out to put the milk bottles out for the morning. He looked six feet in front, and there was his son asleep on the bench. And he said, John, what are you doing? And he snapped to him, um, I'm just having a rest. <laughs> six feet from his front door, he was having... Because a... I'm very sober. Because I'm very... I nearly made it home, Dad, but I just thought I'll break the back of the journey. And then I'll... He was six feet from his front door. What do you? I'm just having a rest. Uh, my I, brother is never allowed to oh, forget. Here we go. When my dad came downstairs <laughs> yeah. to find hit my brother Simon asleep, sort of on the kitchen table with mm-hmm. a pint of milk in his hand. But he's, yeah. <laughs> dad, sort of, come on, boy, time for bed. Dad, Cadbury's Hadbury and Hadbury's Cadbury. And uh, what? What? Cadbury's Hadbury and Hadbury's Cadbury. And it really vociferous and angry about it. Cadbury's Hadbury, Hadbury's Cadbury. <laughs> I went on about that for quite some time. He is never allowed to And forget. nobody deciphered this? No. we. There was an advert around at the time about Mr Cadbury's parrot. We think it might have had something to do with that. But Cadbury's Hadbury, Hadbury's Cadbury. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will now, of course, we're going to draw a discreet veil over further <laughs> stories. Peps and I will probably continue them. But that has been uh, this week's <laughs> midweek treehouse. One, two, three, four. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the treehouse. The fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. Always do, Wisby. Uh, the magnificent Louise Pepper on the other side of the table. Phil Walding and Josh just through the glass on behalf of Something Else Productions. But as always, it's chiefly yourselves. See you Saturday. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.